I'm Steve Morgan, founder of Cybersecurity Ventures and editor-in-chief at Cybercrime Magazine. I'm here today with Gordon Lawson, CEO at Conceal, provider of an intelligence-grade zero-trust technology that protects global companies of all sizes from malware and ransomware. To learn more about our sponsor, Conceal, visit conceal.io. Also joining us is Tom Quinn, Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer at T. Rowe Price, an independent investment management firm with 948 investment professionals and more than 700 associates in 17 countries. Gordon, welcome back. Great to have you with us again today. Thanks, Steve. Great to be here. Tom, nice to have you with us as well. Thank you, Steve. So, Tom, you and I were chatting a little bit before we got started. Our backgrounds intersected with each other. We both go way back. You have an incredible background. Maybe you can just, you know, give our audience a, you know, 30,000-foot view on you leading up to uh, your position currently at T. Rowe Price. Sure. Um, So I'm a political science major, international relations, like most cybersecurity professionals uh, start off as, and then just had the fortunate opportunity to... uh, uh, study uh, calculus and calculus-based physics uh, as well for an ROTC scholarship, officer in the U.S. Navy for eight years, including a stint at grad school for computers. And I've been in financial services since 1996, doing technology and full-time cybersecurity since 99. And I've been a cybersecurity executive for uh, four large firms. So, Gordon, each time you bring somebody on, uh, they're a hard act to follow. And then you, you follow it, you know, back in the day, we'd say, you know, Gordon has an incredible Rolodex. And, you know, now it, I guess it's uh, LinkedIn based on a lot of personal connections. Uh, how did you meet Tom? Well, I just wanted to find another political science major that was in cyber, Steve. So there's two of us. And that's how we got connected. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, um, you know, this is a, it's a small community. And uh, we uh, Tom and I have a mutual friend in Ron Gula. Who's, who's been on this, uh, this podcast as well, just an, an amazing mind and a, a great advisor to the company. And he connected us and, and Tom and I have been, uh, been chatting uh, over the last several months. And I thought he'd be a great guest for you today. Tom, we've been tracking uh, ransomware for over a decade now. Back in 2015, it was barely a blip on the radar screen. We were trying to make noise. People didn't want to listen to us. It wasn't causing enough damage. It was, to put it in perspective, maybe $325 million globally at the time. Now we're talking about tens of billions of dollars a year. People are paying attention. Do you remember, Tom, what it was like going back uh, as far as as you care to uh, ransomware and you know how that uh, compares to today? Yeah, I, I think that you find the connection between the amount of money being made and the connectedness of many firms to the internet. So before to get ransomware installed somewhere, you really needed to to try pretty hard. And often it required either physical access to to a building or a network or somebody on the inside making a mistake, maybe putting a a device into a system uh, and the like. So I think with more and more connectivity, more and more to the internet, plus collaborative tools and the like, I think it just facilitated that. And now uh, technology really is the linchpin for society. So now everything's connected and I think it's just more opportunity. Well, that's a very good perspective. You know, I remember, uh, you know, computer viruses, again, something, you know, people didn't want to talk about until everybody was connected up to the internet. And, you know, suddenly that was like, you know, the airplane for the human virus and everybody was infecting each other and there was a a scramble uh, to respond. 
Gordon, let me turn to you. Uh, we uh, produce a quarterly report, Who's Who in Ransomware. We look at the latest gangs and strains, and unfortunately, we have to update this quarterly. That's how often things are changing and how many new gangs and strains we're seeing. You talk to a lot of CISOs, a lot of security teams globally. I'm curious if you're hearing the same things that we're tracking. To put it in perspective with some numbers, 2021, a couple of years ago, we were looking at a ransomware attack occurring about every 11 seconds. And we're projecting that year by year. And based on the growth we're seeing, it's going to be about every two seconds in 2031. This just isn't slowing up. What, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you guys are great about producing the numbers, Steve. I think one of the numbers that really just hits home is the $15 million a minute is what ransomware is costing the world. Um, that's that's astounding. And I think the thing that's the most disturbing on all of this is, you know, the bigger companies, they have a lot of budget to be able to uh, provide defense in depth and, and and really secure their perimeters and protect their users. But uh, I know you and I have had some discussions, Steve, about whether it's school districts or hospitals, you know, people that are very, very vulnerable, totally being taken down from being able to conduct their operations, uh, you know, people at risk not being able to receive surgeries, children's social security numbers being stolen, and those will be pervasive on the dark web for years. I just think that the attacks on these, on these vulnerable populations are, are the most egregious of all of them. And we as a community have to continue to find solutions to that to, uh, to make folks more resilient and these small organizations more resilient. So, Tom, when we first hear about a lot of ransomware attacks, you know, and we certainly report on them, uh, it tends to talk about, you know, the initial impact uh, on an organization, who might have been behind it, uh, you know, what type, extor- what type of extortion was involved. But inevitably, when you really break these attacks down, far too many of them started with a phishing attack and, you know, a a user, you know, fell prey to that. So I'm wondering, you know, when we talk about cyber defense, when we think about ransomware, how important is it to train users, security awareness training? uh, And and is it on your radar screen? Is that something that CISOs are thinking about and should be thinking about? Knowledge and training and awareness is a crucial component uh, for, uh, for a cyber capabilities at any firm or or even in your own home. So that awareness is key. I think the other thing that we find is combining awareness plus great tools and technology really give most companies and people a fighting chance to withstand that kind of of attack. To answer your question specifically, uh, employee as well as in many cases, clients of our firm training and awareness for them as well is front and center for a, for a CISO's uh, day job. So Gordon, every employee in every organization globally has a browser that it, it's pretty much the launch pad today for everything we do. So talk to us about ransomware and, and the browser where there's a lot of infiltration and, and the importance of having a secure browser. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that you know traditionally you've seen the majority of phishing attacks occur via email and most organizations have some good defense around that, but we're seeing that vector really expand out into the browser and into other applications. The recent Uber attack occurred via WhatsApp and, and these, those weaponized URLs coming through those other ubiquitous applications that, that companies are running. And, and, and a lot of times you just don't have as much control over them. So what, what we're seeing is being able to run uh, a browser extension that, that scans those different URLs, 
puts things into isolation that are suspicious, malicious, or unknown. Uh, it's just it's just a it's 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 a good part of that security stack here. And the way that we we can seal think about it is you have security awareness on one end, you have great EDR solutions on the other end, but users are still going to click on dangerous things, and that preventative layer in between is important. And so you know we know that we're pro we're not a fit for everyone, but there's a, a whole lot of companies out there that are still very very vulnerable. And we're we're really excited to be able to provide a really I think effective affordable solution uh, to 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 those types of companies. So Tom, I'm sure you talk to a lot of other CISOs and other industries, and I'm curious, you know, how realistic is it for CISOs and their security teams to expect employees to actually be part of the cyber defense team, or at least to you know reduce the risk? You know, if you're in healthcare. You know, these people are very, very busy. Can, can you expect doctors and nurses? If you're in a law firm, can you expect the attorneys? Or, or in any industry, can you expect these very busy professionals who have so much on their plate to pay attention, uh, to understand the magnitude of, you know, these cyber threats and, and to be a part of the solution? The, the short answer is yes, you, you can't expect that. I think it's very important to make sure you understand how. It's unfair to expect them to be cybersecurity professionals because, Steve, to your point, right, they have their own day jobs to do. But if you can arm them with enough information that they can recognize when just something doesn't seem right, arm them with enough knowledge to know if you have a tool that's deployed, those two basic things can go quite a long way to helping people uh, be active participants uh, in in cyber defense for uh, for our firm. And Tom, do you think today's employees are better than you know uh, employees five years ago, ten years ago? Meaning, you know, when somebody new comes to work for any company, yours or any other company, are they walking in with more awareness? Have they seen more? Have they hopefully been trained by their prior employer so that you know it's something they're already thinking about? I think for most people that grew up in the digital age that we're in, the benefit of that is that they're aware of technology and they really are aware of some of the pitfalls for technology as well. Many people understand the concept on social media of, of only allowing certain people to have access uh, and connect to you. So you're, you're not starting from a point where people may have, have not had any familiarity with, with technology and tools. I can't say from a regulated entity perspective, so we're in the financial services perspective, um, training and awareness and expectations for appropriate behavior to protect our clients' information, that's embedded into all training, right, that one has. So we really would expect anybody in the financial services industry to have that common baseline of, of, um, of data safety uh, uh, in the training that they have. So Gordon, last week we had a Fortune 100 CISO on with us. We were talking about ransomware. We touched on a few other topics and, you know, something they brought up were remote workers, a major concern. And, uh, you know, the feeling is that they might not be quite as secure there as they are in the rest of the enterprise. And I'm curious with all of the CISOs you talk to, what are you hearing? How much of a concern is that remote worker population? It's a huge one, Steve. I was on with a Fortune 10 CISO earlier today. We were talking about this. And it's not just the remote workers, but companies of those scales also have significant investment in acquisitions. And when they acquire a company, they're not going to have all the same security controls that the, the parent does. 
And so the combination of remote workers, or, uh, you know, traveling executives and companies that are being acquired, those are all that just that opens the attack surface in a way um, that needs to be addressed. And I think that it has to be, frankly, it has to be addressed creatively. The speed and the cost of extending out the corporate um, security umbrella immediately is, is going to be very, very challenging. And so I think that's, that's certainly one area that I think, uh, you know, we, we can help with, but, it, but it's something that you can't be complacent about with just the speed of business and as it occurs. So, Tom, obviously we saw, uh, you know, a huge number of uh, remote workers in the middle of the pandemic. It spiked. I think that number has come, come down, but it hasn't gone away. I think it's clear that, you know, we have a larger remote workforce now than we did three, four years ago, and, and we probably will continue to have one. Uh, how much attention do you pay to that? Your, you know, CISO colleagues, is, is that um, a big concern? It is. I, I, I echo Gordon's comments. Uh, we, we do pay quite a bit of attention there, and I think it's a twofold thing. There is some amount of the corporate control and the corporate security environment that you can extend or create around your remote workers. However, they have day lives. They have their own networks at home in many cases, right? Because technology is just embedded into everything we do, everything from a washer and a dryer uh, uh, in your home network and the like. It's important that they are they have tools and capabilities that uh, to bring the bear themselves, and I think it is complementary. The kind of tools that Gordon's team puts together are complementary to corporate uh, cybersecurity tools and provides a you know protection for them. Um, and it's easy enough, I think, for them to use. So I, I don't know if the right phrase is consumer-oriented cybersecurity tools, but that's a that we need to arm. Uh, our citizens with uh, more capability in that space from trusted providers so that they can feel confident in what they're doing in their home life because all too often that's the mechanism right that uh, or the jump off point that many bad actors are looking for is to get a foothold or a toehold in somebody's home environment or somebody's social media environment and that can lend itself to a further jump off point into the corporate environment. So it's crucial to have capability, not only in the company, but also to make sure that your, your employees are armed and that they have appropriate cybersecurity tools uh, as well that they can effectively manage. So last question for both of you, and I really would like to hear from both of you on this. I'll start with you, Gordon. Ransomware. Has this elevated to the C-suite? Has it elevated to the boardroom? Is it a discussion that they have? Is it you know uh, worrisome enough where they're directly talking to their CISOs about incident response and uh, actually being prepared for this? Well, I, I think it's not only elevated to the C-suite, I think it's elevated to the highest levels of government throughout the world. I don't know if you, you saw this, this past weekend, uh, various multiple government entities in Italy and other Mediterranean countries were taken down. Um, so this is something that's at a nation state level that not only our, our adversaries are using as a tool, but are ha having to be discussed at the highest levels of government because it will affect the continuity and the ability of, of businesses to operate and government agencies to operate within at any given time. So. I think it's getting the right levels of attention. Uh, something that I've, I think I've said before to you, Steve, is that I do think that there's that there still remains maybe a levels of complacency where where I maybe I think maybe on with some of these organizations there's a fear that 
I'm going to, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm not sure that I can ever afford to have all the tools to prevent against it. Right. And, and, and I don't, and I think that there needs to be maybe a little more education that there, there are affordable solutions out there. There's affordable MSSPs and MSPs that you can work with that can truly provide a comprehensive defense, but not spending the time to investigate and invest in that is, is going to, is going to be a problem. And so that's something that, you know, as we talk to end users, we want to make sure that there, there is the right solution out there for you to provide better defense than what you have. And, and you don't need to be a victim in, in this environment. So, Tom, from your perspective, not at your company necessarily, but just, you know, large enterprises in general, do you think this conversation has elevated? Are they talking about ransomware in the C-suite and in the boardroom? Not only are they talking about it, uh, you'll see tabletop exercises. Uh, that are in place so that executives in the business, as well as business continuity, disaster recovery, and technology and cyber teams are coming together to make sure that they can role play out those scenarios. It's, it's crucial. And in addition, our clients are expecting us to have uh, be prepared for that. Our regulators are expecting us to be prepared for that. And even for people who have cyber insurance policies, the cyber insurance uh, companies are also expecting you to be prepared for those scenarios. Well, great conversation, gentlemen. Uh, as ransomware rages on, I, I think uh, you know we'll have you both back on with us. I hope we can do that together, the three of us. So Tom, Gordon, thank you both for being here today. Thanks, Steve. Pleasure as always. Thank you for having me. I'm Steve Morgan, founder of Cybersecurity Ventures and editor-in-chief at Cybercrime Magazine. This interview is sponsored by Conceal, provider of an intelligence-grade zero-trust technology that protects companies of all sizes from malware and ransomware. To learn more, visit conceal.io. You can keep up with all of our media at cybercrimemagazine.com.